Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia Court. I am Brad Franklin, poacher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Monday morning at 9 a.m., a time we never record podcasts, except for, you know, every year this time when we check in with our resident uh, bracketologist, the guy we always go to, uh, Mr. Patrick Stevens, contributor to the Washington Post. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Brad, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm uh, scheduling how to get to Orlando, which is something I didn't expect um, to do roughly 24 hours ago. Um, and we will get into some of, I guess, the reasons as to why maybe Virginia is uh, where the Cavaliers are at this point in the tournament. It's odd for me, having covered Virginia for you know years now, and then the last few, you know, focusing on the one-two seed line. You're worried about. You know, are they going to be a one? Are people going to com- are going to people going to complain that they're the one that shouldn't be a one? Um, but you knew they were going to go to Raleigh, or you you know what I'm saying? You knew they were going to mm-hmm. be somewhere close. And now it was like, oh, they could be in Buffalo, they could be in Milwaukee, they could be in Orlando. So the the day yesterday, reading various projections, and I think if I'm not mistaken, you had Virginia as a five going to the which where did you did, did where did you I, have Virginia going in? Well, let's see here. I want to say it was Buffalo. I feel like it was Buffalo, but I could be wrong on that. Hold on here. Um, but the you know, it's funny. Off to Orlando there for you guys, or as, or as I was warned the first time I went to Orlando, Vegas for nine-year-olds. Um, <laughs> well, and since I don't have a nine-year-old. Yeah, that's true. Then or now for that matter. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was not uh, it was not exactly where I would want to spend four or five days. Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, well some... I actually had I had Virginia as a five seed in Orlando playing okay. UNC Wilmington. Yeah. So so I actually nailed the Virginia the Virginia projection pretty well. Cool. I had Florida as the four there too. Okay. Well, we uh, we'll, we'll get into in a second in the bracket. I also want to make sure folks can um, I mentioned contributor to the to the Washington Post. Also, you can check out Patrick on Twitter at it's discourse instead of an I. It's a it's a one. Um, you can also follow Cavs Corner on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and, and the occasional witty banter. Patrick, what going into this, everybody talked about how weak the bubble was. I, I feel like the, oh, this is a weak bubble year, was was the kind of topic du jour for several weeks going into Selection Sunday. How how weak do you really feel like the bubble was, and was that the main storyline going into this tournament? If not, what do you feel like was on Selection Sunday? <coughs> well, I think that for a good chunk of the season, it, it was it was pretty pretty rough. I think by the time we got to the end, by the time we got to yesterday, when you're looking at those last handful of teams, Kansas State, Providence, Wake Forest, Southern Cal, um, I think that you can you can certainly argue that those aren't particularly accomplished teams. I don't think Wake is overly accomplished. I think Kansas State. I think has won four top 50 games total. Um, Southern Cal is, is the least accomplished of the lot. Um, but I think it got better. And I think it, I think there was a very clear line of uh, demarcation between who was in and who was out. Uh, I know that there are certain precincts about, I don't know, about 300 miles north of me here in Baltimore that attend games in a large dome that, uh, <laughs> that did not agree with that assessment. Um, and the thing that just boggles the mind is that last year when Syracuse got into the tournament, uh, it was because they won at Duke and because they beat 
Connecticut and Texas A&M on neutral courts. And everyone's kind of, it's like a cat chasing a laser pointer around. Like, right. oh, the Bayheim was gone. No, 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 no. You got in because your team got in because of winning on the road. And right, you year, won some games, right. Yeah, you know, and this year, everyone's like, oh, well, they won all these, they beat all these good teams. You know, they beat all these good teams at home and did almost nothing away from home. They were 2-11 and 11 outside the carrier down. Um, and let's and let's ignore even for a minute losing at Boston College and losing to Georgetown and St. John's. You know, two and eleven with seven of those losses by double digits and six of them by at least fourteen. I mean, they, they were they weren't a bad road team. They were an atrocious road team. Right. And so, to me, it really wasn't all that close. The committee wasn't going to reward Syracuse. And sure enough, the Orange is, at least has the benefit of getting to play some home games in the postseason where they'll actually have a chance to win. <laughs> well, it's funny because like I remember Matt Josephs, who is a producer at ESPN 50 here in Richmond, um, is a friend of mine who I, I work with pretty regularly. And he asked me the other day um, on Twitter, said something about Syracuse, and I said, I, I think you guys deserve to be in. And I didn't mean that from in terms of a resume standpoint. I, I mean, I'm just watching, you know, I watch games. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not very good at the whole like, um, this team has this many top, this many like I. The, the data is is what it is. But to me, I'm I'm watching a team that I thought was talented enough um, to be in the tournament. You know, but at the same time, I, I think I think anytime we lose sight of the fact that like the only way to to purport to to really look at teams on some sort of uh, even plane is to do is to look at teams on an even plane. And and if you don't have the resume to get in, you don't have the resume to get in, even if you were super talented, it probably means you shouldn't lose to St. John's by 11 billion points. Um, you know, you, sh- you, you should probably win some games away from upstate New York. You should probably, you know, do a little bit of something else for, for your resume. And look, I, I know that, um, you know, the ACC was was a very, very good league. And, I, and I've I have said in a number of different locations throughout the course of the last few months that it's the best league in the country, la la la. But it wasn't enough just to get you through just because you were a member. I mean, you had to do something. And I, and and I felt like have- Syracuse didn't do it. You also have to remember that not all records are equal in an unbalanced league. And you know we've had this, we've had this conversation about Virginia, right? Exactly. Uh, where 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 Virginia has gotten has gotten a bit fortunate at times. Not now. I mean, this, this year what it was Virginia Tech, uh, Pitt, North Carolina, and Louisville. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So three tournament teams twice. Syracuse had Pitt and Boston College and Louisville. And I'm trying to remember who the fourth was that they played twice. I'm blanking on who. Let, let's assume it's a good team. Um, so, okay. You, you played two of the three worst teams in the league twice to the two bottom seeds twice. And you went, you, and you went two and two against those teams. So in some ways it actually does make the 10 and eight look a little better because they, they, they actually played well against the better teams. Georgia tech was the other team they played twice. Right. So they played four teams, four out of 14 teams um, of the other 14 teams, 10 made the tournament and they played three of the four that didn't make the tournament tw- twice. The ACC obviously it broke a record or its own record. It, it set a, it set a record for itself. I'm, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, with nine teams in the in the in the uh, tournament, um, they get one one in North Carolina, uh, two twos in Louisville and Duke. They get a three in Florida State. They get a, a pair of fives in Virginia Notre Dame, and then an eight and nine in Miami and Virginia Tech, and then Wake Forest is an eleven playing in the play-in game. 
Uh, is that about where you sort of expected the ACC to be? Um, how did that kind of line up with, with what you were sort of projecting? And let's kind of get into your – we do this every year. We, you, we always do the, the retrospective, kind of look back at how you did. But let's, let's focus on the ACC first, and then we can kind of branch out to, to look at the, uh, at the uh, nation as a whole. I was surprised that Louisville was treated as well as it was. I, I, I wasn't, and when you saw, you look at them on paper. I'm, I'm still not sure why they're a two. I mean, I, I had them as the best of the four seeds. So if you wanted to make a case that they were a three, I'm cool with that. I'm, right. I'm total, I'm totally cool with that. Um, but I, I didn't see them as being better than Florida State. I didn't see them as being better than UCLA. I didn't see them as being really all that much better than Baylor. Um, and you can throw head-to-head in there, but that's only one small piece of the equation. Now, I had Oregon on the two-line because I wasn't sure who was going to get that bump up to the two-line right. um, if it was going to be because of if, if Oregon was going to get knocked down because of the injury. Right. So Louis, Louisville, I think, is probably overseeded by at least a line. I had Carolina as a one, Duke as a two, Florida State as a three, Virginia as a five. I thought Notre Dame was probably seated a little low, um, but I have a feeling that that actually will help them in the long run. I think that's going to be a pretty angry, ticked-off team as it heads to Buffalo, uh, and, and I think they are a team that's patient enough to be able to deal with a West Virginia in a round of 32 game. Uh, and I think that they also are patient enough to deal with with Princeton in a first round game. I mean, those aren't fun. That's not a fun combination to have to play in succession, but Notre Dame might be as well equipped to do it as anybody. So I had Miami on the seven line, a little surprised they got bumped down to an eight Virginia tech. I had as an eight. Um, I'll just chalk that up to their non-conference schedule getting punished. You know, in another year, Virginia tech might've had a little, little anxiety on, on selection Sunday, but you know, the edge of the field just wasn't quite as good. Uh, and so they you know, landed on the 8-9 area as expected. And I had Wake Forest avoiding Dayton, uh, and, and they end up in Dayton in part because the committee has a, has a very odd affinity for South Carolina this year. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I thought South Carolina was flirting with, with being in the play-in game. They really hadn't done much away from home. Um, you know, they're one of the teams that beat Syracuse so, you know, in, in, a, in a neutral setting this year. Uh, but, you know, I'm fine with Wake, Wake being in or, or just barely being in or something like that. So, you know, aside from Louisville being maybe a line too high and, and Notre Dame being a line too low, I, I think that the committee got the ACC pretty, pretty paid pretty well. And, and certainly, you know, since we're talking Virginia here, I, I thought that they were just a really solid five seed. Uh, I, I thought that that was what they were, that their profile didn't warrant anything better, but I would have had a hard time arguing them. Uh, even a line further down than what they were. Yeah, I got the feeling just from from reading you as well as a, as a host of others that it seemed like that you know Virginia could have helped itself out with a couple wins, um, you know, in the ACC tournament. Maybe if they win that Notre Dame game, and even if they um, if they lose the next one, you know, they might have bumped. They might have seen a line, but that was pretty much you know after that four game losing streak and and maybe really five out of the six there uh, in February. They were they were kind of I don't want to say doomed to the five line because it wasn't that long ago that you'd be happy to be on the five line, um, but it wasn't going to be a year like it was the past couple. And and the point I've been trying to make to people 
um, even going into this, but certainly since, is, look, like, it's one thing to, to know where you're going to be and to have, you know, your choice of location, but you never get anything more than that. Like, when Virginia was a one or a two, those matchups were still rough. You know, if you think back to um, that Butler team that they played, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the matchup with um, uh, with Davidson, um, it, to me, I just feel like in a, in a lot of ways Virginia um, benefited from being a one or two in, in location, right? But other than that, I mean, if you look at this matchup against uh, Wilmington, which, look, everybody kind of already had kind of figured out just because of the way that the tournament works. It's a fascinating sort of matchup, but it's also exactly what Virginia got when, when it was a higher seed. I mean, it, they've, they've, been matched up, they've been matched up with teams much like UNC Wilmington basically for the, for the last few years. So it, this is not really a surprise. I guess playing Florida on a potential um, you know, Saturday matchup in Orlando, which, it, it, spoiler alert, is not that far from Gainesville, uh, is going to be, you know, if it, if it comes to pass, an interesting challenge in and of itself. It's certainly not as like playing Memphis and Raleigh uh, by any stretch, but it, um, it it it's not to me. It's just not so much about just where you are. It's also about the matchups you get. And look, to win this tournament, you're going to have to play good teams. There's just no way around it. And so, even in a tough bubble year, I feel like Virginia's draw. Um, you know, you, you you've got Villanova in there. It, there there's a certain revenge aspect to this, right? You got Villanova in there. You got Duke in there. Um, heck, there's even Virginia Tech in there. If you if you if some things fell some different ways. Um, but to me, it's all about matchups, and I know that that's t- kind of cliche, but t- I think cliches are sometimes really true. Uh, and for Virginia, when you look at Wilmington, you look at what's ahead of them. Um, matchups are are gonna are gonna dictate. How do you how do you kind of view the tournament as both? Um, you know, when you when you're looking at where everybody fits on the seed lines, do you think that the that the committee um, that the folk, that the powers that be that they 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 really do stay away from this idea of matchups, or do you think that that's actually something that plays a role? And does that have any effect in the way you make your projections? I, I don't I don't uh, believe in conspiracy theories, so I, I think that they just I think they actually spend shockingly little time placing the teams in the field. Hmm. I think that most of the discussion that the committee has is based much more on you know, comparing teams, getting the seeds right, and then trying just to allocate everything so that you spread teams out conference-wise, you try to keep teams close geography-wise, you try to avoid rematches in the first round, all that kind of stuff. And then if you happen to be left with something, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Now, when I run through my projections, uh, there, there are times where I'll see a possible matchup and I'll snicker to myself and say, that'd be kind of fun, and might go with it, you know, like... I mean, certainly the possibility of Duke playing Maryland this year would have been just loads of fun. My, my final bracket had Duke as a 2 and Maryland as a 7 and Middle Tennessee as a 10 in the same region. And it just basically set the joke up perfectly right there, where it was like, God, can you imagine how excited Maryland people would be to be able to play Duke and then just go and lose to Middle Tennessee, who's really good? <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, I... Like, I I don't care who Middle Tennessee was getting matched up with. That was a team I was going to pick to win at least one game in this tournament. So, um, but I think, you know, taking Virginia as an example, I think that Virginia is better equipped than most teams to deal with a UNC Wilmington. Because, you know, it's a lot easier, as Virginia basketball fans have learned here over the last seven or eight years, uh, to slow people down than speed them up. And I think that they can, I as good, as good as Wilmington is, 
and and but trust me, they are good, and they are deep. But I think Virginia can slow them down. The question is, and it's a question that Virginia is going to be asked every single game that they play in this tournament, whether it's one game or six games, is can they score enough? Um, and that's going to be particularly acute if they make it to the next round. And, and that floor, a Florida-Virginia matchup, it, that might put the Miami-Virginia game to shame. I mean, that, that has that has a, a quest to 35 written all over <laughs> Okay, like, I, was, I was thinking this hashtag quest for thirty from the beginning. Something, something, something <laughs> like that. I mean, it it points are going to be hard to come by if that game comes to pass, and if somehow, some way, Wisconsin was waiting in the Sweet Sixteen after that. I mean, you could be looking at a scenario where Virginia only had to score like eighty-five points to win two games in a row. <laughs> not, not one, not eighty-five points in consecutive games. Eighty-five total points. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I think that when you size that up, you know, we already know what sort of matchup they have against Villanova and Villanova is really, really good. And they've cut and they've got the, they've got that same trait that that Virginia has had for much of the last couple of years where they're just hard to get rid of, you know, it's the trait that Duke and Notre Dame have, uh, was talking about that a little bit during the ACC final. They're just hard to kill. Um, and so I don't know, uh, I don't know if Virginia is going to be able to get the best of that matchup on a neutral floor. And there'll be a lot of Villanova fans up in New York for that one if it happens. Uh, but, but I do agree that matchups matter. And I think matchups really matter in the second game at a site when you only have 48 hours to get ready, uh, matchups plus coaching. I mean, this is, this is basically what you would call the Izzo factor who has just a ridiculous record as Virginia fans have come to know, in the second game at a site, uh, that that's what matters. It, it, you know, matchups do matter the first time around, but still, you know, right now you're they get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get ready. Sunday night, I mean, that's not that much different than a typical turnaround. Well, a typical turnaround when you're not playing like Monday and then Sunday and then Thursday and then Saturday or whatever, like the like the ACC schedule seem to have some teams doing late in the season this year, but. Um, I, I think the matchup matters a little bit less in that first in that first game at a site than the second. Yeah, the, the, that Monday to uh, excuse me Saturday to Monday thing that that the, that the league has been doing with the big Monday games. Virginia was in I think three of those situations this year um, where where they had to play a Saturday game, take a Sunday off, and then play again. That you know it moves around with so you know whether you're on the road first or, or at home first or vice versa. But you know if you think about the the NC State Carolina. Um, sort of Big Monday, the one that they had last, that's probably the best that they've played in a while, um, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that game in Raleigh wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't like, hey, let's, you know, let's run that one back, watch that one again, because that was lots of fun. But it was a game where they got right offensively. I thought you could see some 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 good traits, some good trends kind of coming defensively, and they were, you know, battling some, some illnesses at that time. But then for them to c- turn around and play Carolina as well, uh, um, you know, on such a short, you know, amount of rest, I thought that that that's the kind of thing you're talking about, right? Which is the idea that you have to turn, you have to not just turn around quickly, but you have to turn around quickly and get ready for a, you know, potentially a whole different kind of team. For 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 this one uh, with Florida, at least you know that that it's likely going to be Florida that you're playing if you get through it. So probably what what you'll, what they'll do is they'll have Ron Sanchez do one scout and Jason Wilford or, or Brad Soderberg do the mm-hmm. other scout, and basically they're ready for for all you know for all all of the options in, in front of them. But I, I think mentally, the one good thing that Virginia does have going forward is that like they're right now they're not the hunted, um, they 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 they're not they're not the favorite. Virginia hasn't 
hasn't tended to do very well this year. Um, when they're the favorite, when the chips are down, that's when most people, you know, when folks are counting them out, it seems to be the time when they respond. And so that might be a good thing for them going into this tournament is that nobody's really expecting them to do big things. Um, you know, they can sort of play the, you know, us against the world angle a little bit, which I think is the greatest uh, motivator in all the sports. You know, nobody believes in us. You know, nobody, nobody thinks we can do anything. Um, so I think for Virginia going into this, they, they're, they're in probably as good a spot as they're going to be. Um, considering you know what the season has been like, where they are, you know, once the Nichols suspension, uh, or, I mean, excuse me, dismissal, and then with um, you know, kind of the the way the the season sort of worked itself out. Um, looking looking kind of deeper into um, the leagues, I, I'm curious to get your point of view on this. I, everybody talks about the ACC, myself included, being the best in the country. Nine bid seems to uh, to bode well for for that argument. Where does where does this league? stack up going into the tournament um and and do you feel how, how do you how do you see him progressing maybe to the to the second weekend what's your what's your general feel on, on on how well the acc does in this postseason well first of all just in general you know you have to kind of when you're making these conference arguments um you all, you almost have to differentiate what what it is you mean do you mean is the top of the league better is the top to bottom better all that 60 percent of the acc made the NCAA tournament. 60% of the Big 12 made the NCAA tournament. 70% of the Big East made the NCAA tournament. Um, so you can you can make arguments however however you want. But I think at the very top, if we're sizing up, you know, strength of the league based on who has the best chance to advance, and you're talking about a league in the ACC that has five teams on the top five lines, I, I think there's a, there's a built-in advantage there. Uh, when we were talking about the Big East, they had, I, I think it's uh, four teams uh, on, the, on the top five lines. And so percentage-wise, it's probably a little bit better. <coughs> um, you know, Big East, I think, only has two teams on the top five lines. The Big Ten has uh, one, I believe, uh, two. I'm sorry, Purdue and Minnesota. Pac-12 has three. So, you know, I, when you see Carolina, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, all top three seeds are better, all with pretty good geographic um, benefits in the opening round. Duke and Carolina are in Greenville. Florida State is in-state in Orlando, uh, and, uh, and Louisville's just up the road in Indianapolis. Uh, I think all those teams have an excellent chance of getting out of their sub-regionals. I think Notre Dame um, underseeded a little bit for sure, uh, but just – just a really, really good bunch. I, th I think they can get themselves out of Buffalo. And if they do, I mean, you look at that West bracket, and I think there's a chance for them to do some serious, serious damage. You know, I think, uh, I think you could, you could make the case that it, you might see three ACC teams make the Final Four this year. And Notre, Notre Dame being the third one, I have in mind to go with Duke and Carolina if they happen to manage to escape West Virginia and Princeton up in Buffalo. And so. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to go four for four there uh, and, and, and pick a pick another ACC team just to make it a mini <laughs> ACC tournament in Phoenix. Um, I, I would think Louisville would be the team that would have the best shot out of the Midwest, better than Miami, which would have to go through Kansas. But uh, I, I do think that you know the last couple years, you know the argue the, the argument the ACC has made with all of its chest beating is, oh well, we did great in the in the NCAA tournament, and if that's how you if that's how you want to frame the argument, that's fine. I mean, there's multiple ways to frame the argument, uh, but I think the league is set up to 
to have some success here over the next couple weeks for sure, especially especially with Duke playing the way it's playing, North Carolina largely playing the way it's playing. Last question, and we'll get you out of here. Um, I was curious yesterday going into it because I, I was curious because I think that, to me, Duke is clearly uh, one of the best four teams in the country right now. And we, 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 we kind of touched on this earlier, right, that, that with Syracuse, it doesn't really matter how good you are. It matters what your resume says about you. Um, you know, like the typical idea that a lawyer doesn't matter what the facts are, it matters what they can prove. Um, I was really interested, though, to see Duke be um, the number two in the East with Villanova. And I said something to my buddy Justin about, uh, in our t- we were texting about this, and, and I guess I always forget, and, this, and I work in this industry, and, and it's pretty ridiculous that I forget this every year, but that they don't grade on an, on an they, they don't seed. They seed and they don't they, they don't pair things on an S uh, on an S curve, right? Mm-hmm. So the so the top so to me, Duke is by far the best number two seed, right? And how the best number two seed gets into the re- same region as the overall number one? Um, what I, I guess my question after laying all that out is, how different would the tournament be if the committee did try? Um, and basically put the emphasis not on location, but to put the emphasis on the teams and did do that S-curve so that the best number two wasn't with the best number one, that the best number two was with the worst number one invite and, and so on. How different of a, of a, of a um, and I realize this is somewhat of a crazy thought experiment, but I, I just, I'm just thinking of it in terms of actual competition. Like if you're the overall number one seed, Congratulations! You get the best number two seed because they happen to be geographically somewhat close to you. Like that just seems sort of messed up in a way. So yeah, and, and that, how different and would the tournament be? And that's what, and that's what basically the, the rule change. There's a rule change that basically protects the top number one seed from the top number two seed. Duke actually, and it came, it came out basically. I don't know if you remember the Louisville Duke regional final a few years ago, right. where it was clear those were the two best teams in the country, um, and so. I would tell you this, that the committee pegged Duke as the seventh overall team behind Arizona and Kentucky. So if we were laying this bracket out evenly, Duke would be going to the Midwest uh, with a possible matchup with Kansas as opposed to the East in a possible matchup with Villanova. Um, I, I think that when you look at how much money the NCAA, NCAA tournament makes, and I understand that it has to pay for 89 other sports, um, and, and that's largely what that television contract does, is so that you can enjoy Division Three cross country or something, and and all that, which is very important. But at the same time, if you're making the most money, you should probably get more of it to work with, and and be willing to invest more of it into making your product as good as possible, even if that means flying people over longer distances and things like that. So. I, I I think that it, I think that in a perfect world the committee would would seat it as evenly as possible while adjusting for conference affiliation and possible um, rematches. I mean, you know, like we we're looking at the possibility of like a Vanderbilt Minnesota game a second time or a Oklahoma State Maryland game. Not that the seating ultimately lined up that way. But you can understand why you wouldn't want to. You you would be willing to tinker a little bit uh, to avoid that. And the truth is, is the further down the board you get, the less of a difference you're you're typically having between teams. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 field would look a little bit different uh, if it was completely even, uh, as opposed to 
uh, as opposed to the geographic uh, tinker that the committee ultimately does. Right. Well, it would be interesting to me if that ultimately comes back or, or the S-curve comes back. But for now, uh, look, it's going to be a great uh, few weeks, and certainly folks are going to get a whole lot of basketball. Um, if, if, the, if the ACC was any, uh, is any indication of what we're going to see in the NCAA tournament, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of conventional wisdom is going to get flipped. Um, it's funny because everybody points to the, you know, the, uh, the specific you know, matchups that 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 typically produce upsets and i i just look across the board and think there's so much there if you think about it duke was 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 the seventh best team in this in this uh in this uh in this field right according to the committee and here i am thinking that they should have been a one and i i think they have the odds on along with villanova to to win the tournament if 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 the if the thing was weak enough, if the top four seeds were weak enough that we we can have a legitimate conversation about a the seventh best team maybe having should have been um, one of the top four, um, that probably says a little bit about the field in general. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I know you can finally get some sleep now um, now that you've you've uh, you've done your not just projections and gotten through Selection Sunday and, and all of the different uh, media. The opportunities that you have, but I always, like I say every year, man, I really appreciate your your time. Uh, I I know this is crazy time for you, so I really appreciate you always giving us a few minutes and um, enlightening us some. Uh, you can check out Patrick's work as a contributor at the Washington Post. Also follow him on Twitter at discourse with the one with the I being a one. Again, Patrick, thanks very much for joining us, um, and I'm sure we will uh, talk to you down the road. Um, and I want to say thank you everybody out there for for giving us a listen as always. Um, our special edition podcast will be back in a couple days with our our uh, our crew will get back together and talk about the the tournament in uh, in earnest so thanks again for uh giving us a look um for patrick stevens i'm brad franklin publisher of cascorner.com thanks for coming out and we'll see you soon